Well, good morning, everyone. Um, before we get started, if there's any kids here, you guys are dismissed. I know Susie will be down there with them. So, um, yeah, kids are dismissed right now. Uh, if you need to get some more coffee, there's some coffee over there. And then just go ahead and get settled in your seats. Um, I just want to first start out with just some gratitude of, like, thank you guys. Thank you for just loving me up here and um, just being here to listen and support, like, this journey of mine. So I just, I thank you guys. Um, and I welcome you all here. If you're new, I see some new, maybe old but familiar faces, some new faces. Um, so it's just really good to have you guys. Uh, before I get started, I just wanted to give a quick um, recap on Gordy's sermon two weeks ago, because I will be, um, we'll kind of be going through the last part of the first chapter in James, and Gordy kind of did the first little bit of James, um, and so I just wanted to kind of like bring this reminder of this image that Gordy kind of presented, um, and it was the, the, we are always going to suffer. Suffering is inevitable. But growth is optional. So we're given this choice in the suffering on whether we're going to grow or not. And there's this beautiful image of like refining gold. And all, when, it, when gold gets put in heat and pressure, all the um, like impurities of it come and rise to the surface. And so when that pressure builds, that's when stuff comes to the surface. And that's when we're presented with these choices on what we're going to do with that. Um, so I listened to this sermon, and then I went home and was living my, my life as a mom. Uh, Jackson had just gotten back from Fiji, what was that, two weeks ago now maybe, and my entire state of being was in survival mode. It was almost like my entire nervous system was just saying, you just need to survive, you just need to survive. Which is understandable because I was a single part-time working mom for 10 days straight. So, a little grace there. But anyways, um, Jackson had his first, we had our first normal day of him being back. He went to work, came back and needed to keep working. And so, um, it was nice out, so I decided to take Kaya outside. I bundled her up, I put on her shoes, and I was like, all right, Kyle, let's go see our neighbors, the goats. We like to feed the goats. And we made it halfway around the house, and she decided she was done. So she plopped her little butt in the snow and was like, I don't want to go anymore. And I don't know if you guys can relate when we're in these certain modes of just like operating where every little hiccup, every little pushback, every little thing just immediately aggravates. And we're just immediately frustrated. And that's exactly what happened to me. I got furious. I was like, are you kidding me? We walked. You know, I'm just in this motor. I'm like, are you serious? Like, we just have to walk around the house. So I'm like, all right, Kaya, come on. Like, let's go. And she's just reaching up to me. And I just, like, stick out my hand. Like, grab my hand. We're going to walk. 
And she kept crying, and it just started like tearing at my heart. So I'm in this state that just says, just do what I say, Kaya. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. And then also, like, I just got this little glimpse of my daughter sitting in the snow crying. And it was just enough to just scoop her up, storm into the house, put her somewhere safe, sit on my rug, and I honestly might have had a slight adult tantrum <laughs> where I just sat there and I just let myself cry. I was so frustrated, but I was also so hurt by what I had just done. And it was in this moment, I'm looking at Kaya, I'm, feeling, I'm like finally letting my feelings out in a safe way, and I'm presented with this choice. I would, honestly, this happened to me enough times that I would, I would say I don't have control over my reactions. A lot of us don't. When we're in this reactive mode, our survival brain kicks in, and we're, it, our whole being is just in this different mode. Um, so we don't have a lot of control in that situation. But what we do have control over, and what I realized, is how I was going to respond to that. How was I going to respond to my failure as a mom <laughs> in this moment? How was I going to respond to me messing up? And I looked at Kaya. I got her attention. I was like, Kaya, Kaya, wait till she looked at me. And I just looked at her. And it was the hardest thing to do. Right before I did this, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I just looked at her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Kaya. Mama lost it. And I, I just, I, can I just hold you? And we just kind of cried together. And it's really interesting, because looking back at that scenario now, I can look back and be like, instead of like beating myself up, I'm like, oh, I responded well. Good job. <laughs> so I, I can like, I don't know, after doing that act, it was like easier to look back at it. So even though I didn't have a lot of control over my reaction, I did have control over my response. Um, and the next morning, I actually got up, and I, it was really early, and I, was, um, I saw this little workshop from a single mom that I follow, and it was called How Not to Lose Your Stuff as a parent. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was me! <laughs> so I immediately jump on, and I, I watch her little workshop and she starts the entire, like this whole workshop by setting this intention. And her intention was, we can't evolve, we can't grow, we can't change without grace. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Because we talk a lot about grace. To the point, I mean, I grew up hearing about grace my entire life. So for me, that's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, grace, I love it. <laughs> um, but in this moment, it like actually resonated with me. And I was thinking about it, and she, she continued on, and like her entire, her entire workshop was about before you even respond to your child, respond to yourself. Check in with yourself. Before you react to your child, check in with yourself and see where you're at and like calm your own inflated emotions before you go to deal with your child. And 
I was realizing that like what was so powerful about this with this idea of bringing grace into it is the way that our brains work um, is when we send a positive message to our brain, it actually changes the chemical makeup of it. And um, I was really fascinated about this and I kept reading about it and I realized like they were saying like, when you send positive messages to your brain, it releases the serotonin, which promotes more creative creativity, problem solving, immunity boosting. So it's like all these things that we need to help solve our problems, we can get it with a positive message. Now we're, wi we're wired to be negative. <laughs> I don't know if any of you can think to your most recent, oh, crap moment and you just go, I'm the worst, oh my gosh, I suck. I, like, we're wired to just beat ourselves up thinking it's gonna make us better and it's no surprise because I'm pretty sure that's how we were all raised. We mess up, we get disciplined or reacted, we get a reaction to it, we get a bad reaction. So we learn that. And it's just so crazy what the difference of changing our response to this can do. So. Before I dive into James, chapter 19 through 27, I just wanna like take a deep breath and I'm just gonna pray for us and pray over um, just what God has put in my heart to share with you guys. God, I just thank you so much for bringing us all here today. God, I just pray that whatever you have been teaching me, have been stirring inside of me, God, that I can just present it with enough flesh on that it can actually, we can actually like see how it can apply to our lives today. Because God, there's so much wisdom that you have for us, but sometimes we can just miss it. And so God, I just, I just ask that our hearts are open enough to just receive what you have for us, what you have for me, and I just thank you so much for every single person in this room and whatever reason brought them here this morning. So thank you. Amen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're so tall. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tom, if you throw up that first verse. So we're starting now. James isn't starting here. We're like two-thirds of the way through, but this is where we're starting. Um, and it's a reminder. Um, oh, I'll read this version because my version is different. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. My version says, you know this. <laughs> you guys know this, but I'm going to tell you again. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You can go to the next verse because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, it does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Which I experienced on a first-hand level with my daughter where um, I was this close to acting out in anger. Um, and it's amazing because these are Jesus, James is reminding us of Jesus' teachings in this, um, where Jesus tells us to be slow to anger. And these actually remind me a lot of the characteristics of God. I'm graciousness, compassionate. I'm, 
I, I'm quick to lean my ear towards you. I'm quick to hear you um, and not fast to respond. Like I, let, I give space for you to work through stuff. Um, so I was just thinking about like, okay, this is, this is good. Like be slow to react. Check, for me, it's check in, take a few breaths, you know, kind of what my, um, that one mom was kind of talking about, and just like check in first, get yourself regulated, um, and just see what's there, kind of like what Jackson was asking us to do this morning. Let's just check in and see what's there, because when we don't, we're so, we can so easily pass on what we're holding to the person next to us. And in that case, for me, it was shame. When Kaya was sitting there crying, I could have totally pulled the parent card and been like, I'm right. She needs to learn. She needs to learn this lesson. She needs to build some perseverance. Um, And I could have just stuck with it. Or I could, and this was like, this was the really... The really hard part, like, I could let her sit with that, like, all of this is Kaya's fault, or I could release her from it. Now, she's really young, so I don't know how much of this she's actually, like, understanding, but I know as a kid, when my parents would get extra mad at me for doing something wrong, looking back, I went, they were just stressed. They were just super stressed out, and whatever I did, just put them over the edge. Well, you know what? little me saw and heard, my anger, my reaction is your fault. I already carry a lot of shame. I already have the biggest self-critic in my head. I'm sure a lot of you can relate, but to have that added on is really heavy. And so if there's one thing that I want to do as a mom for my daughter is not pass the cycle of shame onto her, to where when she messes up, we can deal with that and try to find a better solution to it, but she's not carrying around the shame of it. Brene Brown is, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of her, but she's amazing, and her big thing is, I, her big thing is changing it from I am terrible, or I am wrong, or I am like to identifying with your action, to I did something wrong. I did something bad. Not, I am this. When we take on the I am, it's, it burdens us. And it like stops us from being able to grow and move. And I was thinking about, okay, like, when did this all start? Like, because I know I got it from my parents, but I'm like, I'm sure they got it from their parents. Actually, this is kind of like a cultural thing. Like, we all kind of have this. And I realized, oh my gosh, this is what happened in the garden when God found out, when God knew that they had eaten from the tree. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read through those verses, if you'll throw them up. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I have a feeling he actually did know where they were. I think this is God just giving him a chance to, like, come out. It's like him saying, like, hey, guys, 
come, come, come out. Um, and he answered, Adam. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? This is pretty classic. The man said, okay, so this is the moment. So Adam feels shame because he did something he wasn't supposed to do. And God calls him out on it. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm seen. Ah, shame. What does he do? Uh, the woman that you gave me, she, she brought it to me and I ate it. <laughs> Just passed it off. And then what does the woman do? Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So you can see in chapter 3, this cycle got put into motion. And now, when we're faced with shame and we don't trust that we can move past it, or that God is not going to see us through our shame, we just pass it on to the next person. Okay, and go to verse 21 of James. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So, this is a big verse for me, and to kind of like start, I had to ask myself the question, okay, what's the word? James is suggesting that the word, the thing that exists to be all things, so I was like, okay, where do we talk about the word? Well, John 1, 1, and I'll just read that really quick, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with it. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I don't know if that helped or not. <laughs> to me, I read that, I was like, okay. Um, but kind of how I summarized it in my head was just like, okay, this thing is like the essence of life itself. And without it, nothing exists. Which means you exist because inside you is this thing that John calls the word. The word also, we can also find the word, and I think it's most commonly like associated with the scriptures, um, which is true. But even before we had language and books and like verbal words, this thing existed. Like, before all things existed, this existed. And James is saying that it was planted in us. In the beginning, it was planted in us. So inside all of us, and I like to think of it as just like the seed, like inside of all of us is the seed of life. And so, um, oh, can you go back to verse 21? Yeah. Okay, there we go. So in order to accept it, there's this word, um, in my translation it's humility, humbly, humility. And I was thinking like, okay, what's humility? What's the, like, what is that? How do we do that? You know, what does that mean? Um, and I was thinking about it and it's like, 
whoa, that was my moment. That's the moment with Kaya. Um, I've heard another person describe it as the, the blush moment where you realize, like, it's the, the moment of humiliation when you kind of see what we've, maybe what we've done, um, the mistakes we've made sort of thing. And I was like, humbly accept. Humbly receive. So it's almost like we need to have this process. It's kind of like what Gordy was talking about, like, we need the pressure to build. We need the, the heat to build so that this stuff can rise to the surface so we can actually see it. So it's almost like in this moment of humiliation, when we're given this choice, um, James is asking us to let it go. To let it go. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. There's this thing inside of us that just needs to be, like, set free. It's it's just crazy. Um, If you can go to verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. My translation says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. I heard the word prove and I was like, that's kind of a heavy word. Um, That word has a lot of expectation to it. But then I realized that it can also be like proof. And I think it's just saying, if you are a doer, it'll show. If you are merely a hearer who deceives themselves, it'll show. You will prove by default wherever your natural disposition is. And so that kind of like, okay, so this is just kind of like a litmus test almost. Um, verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, He's immediately forgotten what kind of person he looks like. Maybe go back to 23, because I'm going to go over that. Let's see. So, yeah, this translation's funny. <laughs> I have um, natural face. So when I was, I was looking at this, I was like, okay. How do we remember who we truly are? James is asking us, James is suggesting that um, when we see who we truly are, like, there's a power in this, but we, we easily forget. So, like, what is the, first off, what does God, who does God say we are? Like, who is our natural self? And I looked up the word natural, and then, um, the Greek translation, it's the other words that are associated with it was Genesis, so like the beginning, or you also have origin. So just like the original self. Um, and once we have moved away from this mirror, we can easily forget who we are. And it was really interesting, so like, uh, I was trying, 
When I first saw this verse, I was like, whoa, I really like this. And I was like, but I don't get it. Because <laughs> there's like, there's this image here that I think is really powerful, but it's also like a little hidden from me. And so I just was like, okay, I know he's speaking metaphorically, but what if I lean into the literal a little bit and like flesh that out and then I can maybe understand the metaphor more. And so I was just thinking like, okay, do I even look at my natural face in the mirror? Like, do I ever actually see? Like, I think a lot of times in our society today, like, we don't look very long at our natural face. Because we look, we come into front of a mirror and we go, oh, gosh, my acne is so bad today. Or, oh, those wrinkles are coming in. My hair is too frizzy. My uh, hair is too, getting too gray. Like, and then we immediately respond by, I need some makeup. I need to dye my hair. Got to put some... Uh, some eye cream on, you know, like we're just immediately like hiding our natural face. And there's, there's, a, there's like, we see the imperfections on it, and then we try to hide those imperfections, and our world is like, sells us on this. Like, they profit off of us trying to hide ourselves. That's the metaphor. <laughs> So I think that, like, for me, that easily translated, like, oh, my goodness, like, we, we hide ourselves, and we easily forget who we are. Why is this so important to remember who we are? What is it about remembering who we are that can have such a power? Because James seems to find this really important. And so I was just trying to, like, lean into, into this. And I was thinking back to my moment with Kaya, and when I just, like, had this moment, I'm like, how do I give her something I was never given? How can I stop this cycle when I'm carrying so much shame myself? Like, how do I not pass this on? How do I respond in a way that I was never shown? You all might be laughing in your heads right now because you probably know where I'm about to go. <laughs> but um, I was like, and this is like, there was this moment where it dawned on me and it like took this message so much deeper because I realized Jesus was showing us how to do this process. He was showing us that it's safe that we will be okay in our moment, in our greatest moment of humiliation. We'll be okay when all of the things that have built up our persona, all the pride, all the facade, the masks, the things that we have built up to create this us outside of who we truly are, when all that gets stripped down and we are utterly humiliated, what happens? What did Jesus show us happens at that moment where it's so painful, it feels like death? Maybe sometimes it is. For Jesus, it was. It's in that moment, and I think back to when James was talking about earlier, like in humility, Accept, receive what's already there. It's in that breaking of our shell that this seed can come forth. Who we truly are can finally emerge.
because we've come to the end of ourselves. And it's in these mere moments that it happens. But I was realizing, why do we avoid these mere moments? Why do we avoid looking at ourselves? Why do we avoid looking deeper and sitting with ourselves? And it's really interesting because I personally have been on a journey with myself and my image and mirrors. I think almost any woman, but even men, can relate to this struggle. And I remember I could have the fittest body. I could be looking so good, and I would look in that mirror, and I'd just pick out all the imperfections. I could barely look at myself. I could barely look at myself. And it was this process of learning to just look at all the things I didn't like and just say, thank you body for carrying me through life, for taking all these beatings, for um, a big breakthrough for me was one time when I was just sitting in front of the mirror. I was second trimester, pregnant with Kaya. You just feel fat. <laughs> you, just, you just feel fat. Your, your face is swollen. Your tummy's like round, but it's not very cute round. It just looks like a big pudge. And I was just like, had all this inflammation, and I'm just looking in the mirror like, <laughs> And then I also, I just, I, I remembered what Jackson, because Jackson's helped me a lot on this journey of just like, babe, like, in order to have the body that you want, you need to love what you have right now. You need to love it. You need to accept it where it's at. Can't evolve without grace. And I remember looking and being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I just sat there and I was just like, Thank you. Like, my body's growing a human, and I'm doing nothing. Like, I'm not even, there's, it's just happening. My body is doing this. And I just remember having this, like, breakthrough. And um, it, I, this might sound crazy, but as I'm sitting there crying, kind of like accepting myself, my face started draining. I like, and Jackson, I'm not crazy. Jackson will be like, babe, your face is strange. You know, like, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a difference. <laughs> to me, it's really obvious. But I just, like, noticed, like, my body was, like, letting go of all the stuff it had been holding on to. And it was just in this, like, acceptance. I was just accepting what was there. And then it started falling away. And it was setting me free. And to this day, like, yes, I still care about what I look like, but like, guys, I, my headspace is like, I think back to how I was in high school, oh my goodness, like, I'm free of that. It may come back and get me at some point, I don't know, but like, in this moment, like, I'm free of that. And I just took accepting it and loving it exactly how it was. And isn't that what like, isn't that what God does? He says, you, you may be a mess right now, but I know who you are. I know because that is me. I put that in you and I want to set you free. So can we just let down our walls and let it out? And guess what? I'll hold you. 
I got you. My embrace, my face will shine upon you like I am here to hold you in your moment of shame. And guess what? Guess what happens? You are now out of the law of religion, of tradition, the Old Testament law of you must do this and this and this for salvation. We are now living in the law of freedom that Jesus brought to us. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. <laughs> it's got to start here, and then it's this natural expression. Once we learn how to do it with God and ourselves, then it's just this natural expression. Would you throw up, um, this is actually this quote from Dallas Willard. We're on a theme, my babe. I didn't even know you are doing this. This shows up every week <laughs> as our, like, our church statement. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, hello. Jesus does not call us to do what he did, but to be as he was, permeated with love then the doing of what he did and said becomes a natural expression of who we are in him. We're not trying so hard. We're not trying so hard to be good. We're just doing what's right because we see the fruit of it and we, we're like moving in it. And that's what's so amazing about this idea of giving ourselves grace and love and compassion over beating ourselves up, is when we do this, we're literally rewiring our brains on how to, re to react. You know how I said we don't really have a lot of control over our reaction, we just have control over our response. So in those reactive moments, if we can continue to have these loving responses to our mistakes, to our mess ups, guess what? There's this saying, in, all these brain people that I'm listening to, I don't even know what to call them. Things that fire together, wire together. This is like my toddler advice like on how to like help my kid deal with her emotions. Like when things fire together, they wire together. So we're just trying to rewire from this, I messed up, beat myself up. I messed up, I beat myself up. It's I messed up, I start beating myself up, wait. I, I see why you did that. I see why you're, you're stressed. You know, you just start like, yeah, we'll, we'll make excuses for ourselves. But like we start to just show ourselves this compassion. And soon that becomes our reaction is to react out of a place of love and not hate. Um, can we go to verse 26 now? It's almost there. Actually, no, sorry, 25. Um, this is the law for him. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. And then you can go to verse 26. That's basically what I just talked about. <laughs> um, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay, why would he mention orphans and widows? And I realized those are the people who have nothing to give. We live in a world where it says, give, like make deals with people who can benefit you. Don't give what you can't get back. That's like wired into us. God's saying, 
you are living in this law of freedom and how I am teaching you to live and receiving what I'm giving you, you will have stuff to give and not need anything back. I'm going to be able to, to get down on my daughter's level and just love her and not shame her because God did that for me. I just have to believe it. And I was, I was asking myself, actually, Afton kind of first brought this question up, but I guess I kind of reworded it a little bit. <laughs> but I was like, how do we actually receive the love and grace that God says he's given us? And this is kind of just what I want to like leave you guys with. I'm not saying this is the answer, but this is just what's been working for me. Give it to yourself. Give yourself what God says you can have. Grace, love, compassion. God says, I do all these things for you, but we're not going to receive it. We don't actually let ourselves receive it, like give it to ourselves. And then once we have done that, we have the capacity to give to those who have nothing. And that is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God. Jack, if you just come up. I just kind of want to like leave you guys with that. And um, I think I just want to close in prayer. God, thank you so much for teaching me these things that I have been told my entire life. These words of truth that just were just words on a piece of paper, words to be quoted, memorized, and then you bring in life and life experiences and hardships. And a daughter who, man, She's just my little mini mirror, always reflecting myself, always giving me opportunities to see myself, which is beautiful and awful, all at the same time. And God, I just thank you so much for being there for us so that we can move forward, so that we can experience this life that you've promised us, this life that Jesus showed us was possible. Thank you for doing it first. Thank you for giving yourself, knowing that it was going to take a long time to get anything back. But God, we're just here this morning, and we want to receive. We want to receive what you have to offer. We want to receive this love so that we can shed all this stuff that we're holding on to, all this these mistakes, these failures, these things that are holding us down, that we are identifying with. Remind us who we truly are. Because when we know that, God, that's the space that we can do things out of. The space that we can be out of, God, just as you were. So thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for every person in this room. And Thank you for trusting me to be your mouthpiece this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.